Hello students and welcome back to the Iron Kingdom's lore with me, Professor Gaster. Today is the day that a lot of folks have been waiting for with our character Warjax of Kodor. And today we'll be discussing all of them, uh, but we're going to start off with the two that actually have a Mark IV rendition. So that being Beast 09 and Black Ivan. So we will discuss those guys first and then we will go into the lore of the rest of them. Also another thank you to Privateer Press for letting us read their phenomenal lore. And if you'd be so kind, please like, subscribe, and comment. Let us know if you would like to hear about any other Warjacks, War Beasts, or histories. We will be discussing the Infernal storyline here in the very near future, along with the Elves as well. So wait for those videos. They will be coming out hopefully soon. Alrighty, first we'll be starting with Beast 09, which is Sorska Kratikov's personal Warjack. Initial service date... 600 AR, although I think it became Sorska's in 605 AR. His height, 12 feet. Weight, 9.75 tons. Fuel load, 970 pounds. General use, 6 hours. Combat use, 75 minutes. Makes him a little bit longer lasting than some of the other constructs of his particular type. When it breaks through the trees with the splintered crack of exploding timber, its prey already knows a monster approaches. This is a hulking juggernaut called Beast 09. Its very posture conveys animal menace. The jack becomes docile only when Sorska Kratikov calls it to her side, and in battle it seeks her approval. Beast was assembled by the Rignavina complex in 600 AR. It was shipped south by rail in one of the several supply depots. Like countless others of its design, it was soon assigned to Commander Kratikov. In her pragmatic fashion, Sorska gave the warjack an identifying number based on the order of allocation to her command. It still bears the 09 designation, even though it has long outlasted those that came before it. Sorska found the beast to be tenacious fighter and has kept it on the front lines through the years. The intense crucible of constant warfare has tested the warjack to its limits and allowed it to develop certain fighting instincts. More than the mere survivability sets the beast apart. It possesses a battle cunning that makes it seem alive, and beast will sometimes act on its own initiative rather than rely solely on its orders of its master. During the war in Lael, for example, while Sorska was fighting outside besieged Marowin, the commander found herself driven into the ravine by a Signoran counteroffensive. Cut off from the bulk of her command, she had sent beasts to refuel and resupply, but it had lingered nearby against her directive. Perhaps having spotted the smoke of approaching enemies, despite its low fuel, the Warjack rejoined Sorska just as she was engaged. Sorska used its sudden arrival to turn the tide of battle, keenly aware of its nearly exhausted fuel supply in her very limited time. With its last bit of steam, the Jack charged forward to intercept the enemy, sweeping its axe in wide arcs. Sorska saw the will of the defender crumble and fail just as the beast ran itself dry. Unaware that the Jack was spent, the enemy fled the field. The nascent bond between the two deepened in the battles that followed. The Warjack has picked up the Warcaster's inherent ruthlessness after their long association, and seems to take pleasure in each kill. Blows striking its armor plates only encourage its destructive frenzy. Commander Kratikov has found these qualities a particular boon in battles where she has numerical disadvantages. Beast has always evened the odds. To maximize the machine's full potential, Sorska requisitioned an extensive overhaul of its armaments 
and engine design after Empress declared the conquest on Lale complete. Outfitted with a massive engine and boiler similar to those utilized by the Kodiaks and an improved axe called Icebreaker, Beast stands ever ready to fight alongside its master. For her part, after years of relying on the machine, the normally unsentimental Sorska speaks of it with genuine fondness. Which is weird, because Sorska doesn't really speak on anything with genuine fondness. Well, yeah, at least not openly. She's kind of, well, icy as we've discussed in previous classes. She really did add a lot of herself in this as well. Not only does she have a warjack that's very protective of her, it's also hyper-aggressive, so if anybody tries to, you know, engage it, it'll be gladly engaging it right back, off cue whether she gives it the order or not. Also, this thing has some kind of enjoyment for killing warriors and soldiers, which is kind of disturbing. I'm not sure where you picked that up from. And not only that, her giving him the upgrade of an ice axe makes it very similar to when she's on the field as well, swinging her freaking ice hammer, which, you know, I... Between the two, I, I don't want to be hit by either, so that's how it goes. And he has the ability to clock multiple targets at the same time because instead of him just aiming, you know, axe to ground, he spreads it out like uh, a thresher, like you'd be chopping down grain. Very disturbing, very useful Jack, and he's a much, much bigger than a normal juggernaut would be, which, of course, with character jacks is a very normal thing because all the warcasters that have a personal jack usually put a little bit more embellishment on them. Alright, well let's see the Mark 3 to Mark 4 changes for Beast 09. Alright, he looks like his speed's still the same, his mat's still an 8, his defense is still 10, armor's still 20. Um, he has immunity to cold now, which is really nice, which actually makes sense if he's going to be around Sorska. Uh, he still has his shield guard for Sorska as well. Still is hyper-aggressive, so anytime anybody attacks him, he will make a full advance towards that model. He still is murderous, which means he still enjoys killing warrior models. And, of course, his weapons, he's still running a POW-19 on that weapon with his 2-inch reach, as well as having Critical Freeze and Thresher, which, you know, clocks everybody in his melee range, which in this, in Mark IV, makes that even more dangerous because... There's no front arc, so he's literally spinning around like a top. And at a power 19 and mat 8, that is the most dangerous top that you've ever seen on the field up to that point. Alright, let's move on. Alrighty, the next warjack is the favored warjack of Commander Harkovich, the Iron Wolf. The warjack Black Ivan. Initial service date, he was created in 596 AR. I guess he became Black Ivan in 605 AR. His initial height, 11 feet, 7 inches. Weight, 9.6 tons. Fuel load, 845 pounds. General use, 4 hours. Combat use, 55 minutes. His armaments include a bear claw and a standard bombard cannon. A lumbering coal black engine of destruction, the warjack called Black Ivan is a peerless instrument of war. The machine strides the battlefield with the awareness and responsive reflexes of a living thing, sidestepping incoming fire while unleashing its own devastating barrages. Once it's in striking range, Black Ivan barrels into the enemy, knocking aside anything in its path and shredding both flesh and steel with savage furiosity. 
It has learned how to scan the battlefield and gauge the shifting tides of war, sensing where to shatter opposing lines or shore up friendly ones. Black Ivan is the most prized companion of Commander Harkovich, a warcaster renowned for his tactical ingenuity and resourcefulness in the field. Having fought countless battles alongside Harkovich, Black Ivan has become adept at anticipating its master's will and executing his wishes with brutal efficiency allowing the Warcaster to concentrate on commanding his other forces. A further mark of their close connection is the calming effect Harkovich presence exerts on the belligerent Warjack, which greatly increases the natural accuracy in battle. Together, Harkovich and Black Ivan have defended the Empire's holdings against a slew of different enemies. The Warjack has scored victories against the Jacks of the Northern Crusade, hacked through the bodies of Crixian infiltrators, and even knocked a Signaran Lord General off his horse. Over the years, Black Ivan has undergone countless repairs and modifications. For example, after the Warjack lost his axe by burying it into the Signaran Centurion, Arkovich ordered the axe replaced with a mighty grappling claw. A weapon he spirited the Jack could not lose. It pairs this claw with a traditional bombard of a destroyer, though it is likely to fire the weapon while grappling with the enemy as it shoots targets downrange. While Black Ivan is under Harkovich's control, its mastery of its weapons is superlative, picking off otherwise elusive targets with ease. The most dramatic changes to the machine, however, have occurred within its cortex, where the Warjack's intelligence and tenacity enable it to surpass the expected limits of its chassis. While other Kadorn warjacks plod obediently across the battlefield, Black Ivan moves with singular purpose. The sooner it reaches the enemy, the sooner it can strike. I've worked alongside Black Ivan and you would be surprised to think that there wasn't some kind of thing living in its mind making it even more animal-like than most warjacks even have. Almost a sense of a personality this thing has, but of course it is Harkovich's favorite jack and has pulled a couple characteristic traits off of his battle styles, as most do. And I've seen that bear claw actually tear through the armor of a lot of different creatures, including Circle Obros Warp Wolves. Um, I've seen it tear through satyrs. I've seen it tear through other jacks. I've seen this guy do all sorts of crazy stuff with his weirdly accurate bombard cannon which doesn't make sense because most warjacks aren't very accurate but somehow just being near Harkovich makes this guy a lot more accurate than you would think at least in the mark 3 version i imagine mark 4 has some changes for him but let's discuss those right now Alrighty, well let's go over the stat list his mat is a 7 his rat still a 5 defense 10 arm 20 as per usual uh, they switched out his bond ability from getting boosted attacks to getting swift hunter, which makes this guy faster. Because after he kills somebody, now he gets to move. Uh, he still has bulldoze, which means you can still push people out of the way up to two inches. He still has evasive. So if somebody misses an attack with him, he can move two inches. Um, they took out point blank shot, but of course they all have dual attack now anyway so I'm, I imagine they figured that one's going to level off a little bit or maybe they figured a bombard cannon that has arcing fire wouldn't really be that useful at a point-blank shot right next to you that does make sense uh, he still has his bear claw with its critical brutal damage which gives you an additional damage die on a critical hit so 
that's great. Also, his Bear Claw now does 17 damage instead of the original 16, so it's a little bit more dangerous, more closer related to the uh, Executioner Axe carried by a standard destroyer. So, that's great. And his point cost is cheaper, actually, but a lot of the point costs have changed because of the new Mark IV and because war casters do not come with their own Warjack battle points in Mark IV. Alrighty, let's move on. We'll be discussing all the Warjacks, or all the character Warjacks of Kodor that are not in Mark IV yet, so they're probably still in development because these guys are incredibly powerful, or their Warcasters haven't been updated to Mark IV either, so there is that as well, which as we discussed previously, your press said they will be releasing more Mark IV legacy models as well. So, on that note, let's start with the Behemoth. The Behemoth is a unique character, Jack, because it is favored by everybody. It is not, uh, it doesn't have any particular bonds. This guy is just a powerhouse, a one-of-a-kind Warjack, which is pretty phenomenal because he is an amazing amount of firepower you can have on the field of any battle, and no enemy wants to see this thing barreling down any hills towards them. Initial service date, 606 AR. Height, 17 feet. Weight, 20 tons. Fuel load, 1,428 pounds. General use, 5 hours. Combat use, 55 minutes. This thing has two bombard cannons, twin armor-piercing fists making this thing a terrible thing to have to go up against in any battle. And I personally really enjoyed fighting alongside this thing in Mark III. Unfortunately, we do not know what they're doing to it in Mark IV because this thing was a destroyer of everything in Mark III. Standing nearly 17 feet high and carrying some of the most destructive weapons available to heavy warjacks in the motherland, the behemoth strides at a vanguard of the Kadoran Empire. The incredible effort and determination put into this unique machine makes it a mechanical embodiment of Kodor. The behemoth was first introduced to the Kadoran people during the celebration following the crowning of Empress Ayan Vanar, who, along with tens of thousands of loyal citizens, watched its march majestically through the streets of Kursk along the full military might of Kodor. Great Vizier Simovev Blastovya rose and presented the unique Warjack as a gift from the Kiazi to their new Empress. And for anyone that doesn't know that Kiazi is a, I don't want to say a crime organization because I don't need these guys coming at me, but it would be pretty hard not to say they are into certain crimes that Kodor kind of allows because it keeps all the wheels kind of spinning and greased up to make things moving for the military. But getting back to the story. First conceived over a decade ago as the ultimate Kdorn Warjack, the behemoth exists today solely due to the patriotism and tireless efforts of Blastavia and master mechanic Darlif Salvaro. Soon after the project's inception, it became entangled in the vicious politicking for which the Keazi are known. Salvaro, a member of the Kdorn Mechanic Assembly, had designed the behemoth as an experiment to showcase Kadoran military mechanica. The staggering costs associated with the warjack made it a lightning rod for criticism. The behemoth was declared unfeasible, and the project was suspended only a week after it had begun. Savaro was frustrated 
but other work consumed the time he would have needed to continue the fight for his vision. The plans gathered dust until Great Vizier Blastavia discovered them almost a decade later. The former regent instantly recognized the behemoth's potential and insisted the mechanic assembly to resume its work on it. Blastavia wields considerable influence and enjoys an excellent reputation both with the mechanic assembly and among the Kayazi. To say nothing of his close relationship with the empress whom he had guided to her majority as if she were his own daughter. Declaring the motherland would never be chained by coin, he contributed a startling amount of his own money and set about convincing and coercing the Kayazi to do the same. Savaro was pleasantly surprised to have his pet project endorsed from the highest quarters and resumed construction. Behemoth exemplifies the best qualities of Kadorn Morjack design, heavy armor, a devastating array of weapons, and immense strength. Each of its mighty fists is armed with integral blasting charges housed in reinforced cylinders. These directional charges augment the punishing power of the machine with armor-penetrating blasts. A blow from one of the Behemoth's fists can rip through armored opponents and literally disintegrate softer targets. Additionally, each of the Warjack's shoulders houses a bombard slaved to a subcortex. These miniature cortexes are most innovative aspect of the design, allowing for independent targeting of each of the Behemoth's bombards. Since its commission, the Behemoth has been in the thick of some of the Motherland's most crucial battles, including the final siege of Northgard. There it served on the front line, supporting the initial waves of assault commandos and demolition corp forces as they stormed the Signaran trenches. The behemoth was pushed to its absolute limit, functioning as mobile artillery platform, even as it engaged enemy heavy warjacks. Its presence on the battlefield in those violent hours rallied the Kadorans as they watched it barrel into the heart of the most difficult fighting and emerged victorious. Alrighty, we'll have to look at the Mark III version, which will be updated in Mark IV. But in Mark III, this guy has two bombard cannons, you know, both 14 and 14. His rat, of course, is a 4. His mat is a 7, which kind of is not the best, but of course, a lot of the updates in these guys give them better mat anyway. Um, one of the most interesting things on this guy is his subcortex, which actually gives him powerful attacks so he can spend one focus point to boost all attack and damage rolls for an attack. And since he has four different weapons, two bombard cannons, and two armor-piercing fists, he can really start laying on some hard damage to whatever targets he's trying to do without having to spend that much focus to do so. Also, his armor-piercing fists are a power plus strength of a 12, which is doesn't seem that high until you realize that armor piercing has the armor stat of whatever it's hitting. So if something has like an arm stat of 18 to 20, it now drops it down to a nine or 10, giving this guy a you know plus two, plus three, doing damage to this thing with a powerful attack. So everything's boosted. Yeah, this thing is pretty terrifying, both in melee and ranged. And yeah, it's the uh, this is the criminal crim, probably the most one of the most expensive heavy war jacks that Kodor has to offer. I can't wait to see what's on the Mark IV of this guy in further updates. Let's move on. Alrighty, well let's discuss one of the oldest character war jacks on here, and Vladimir Tepesky's favored war jack, Drago. Initial service date 427 AR. Updated date 605 AR, height 10 feet 11 inches, 
Weight 8.6 tons. Fuel load 350 pounds. General use 10 hours. Combat use 90 minutes. Armament 2 Executioner Axes. And seeing this thing, you wouldn't think it works to begin with because it's pretty beat up because it's over a hundred and some odd years old. So yeah, don't let looks be deceiving because Kodor Warjacks work for dang near ever. All Berserkers have roughened look of more than a century of service and Cortexes have become unstable over time, but Drago stands out even among such company. The battered jack serves as a prime example of why mechanics traditionally wipe most old Cortexes clean. The passing of long years have removed many of the restraints against incidental violence that once held the machine back. It unleashes unmitigated brutality at the slightest propagation. Drago is almost certainly the oldest warjack still seen regular service in the Kadoran military. It is fitting the machine still serves as Tibeski line, since long ago the family provided the financial backing for the Berserker chassis. Even in those years, the Tibeski had demonstrated an unusual proclivity for siring sorcerers and warcasters, and therefore had a stake in developing the chassis that suited their approach to war. Drago would eventually be named in homage of Drago Tibeski, who fought in the horrendously bloody battles to overthrow necromancer Ivan. Vladikin, also called Ivan the Frenzied. When he briefly seized the Kadoran throne from 457 AR to 459 AR, it is likely that the Berserker battled a Drago Tibeski's side in that famous battle. Tibeski has a reputation for martial prowess, bloodlust in combat, and the tendency towards recklessness that eventually cost him his life. The Warjack has since been passed down to other warcasters of the Tbeski line, but it seems it had developed a particular affinity to Vladimir Tbeski, perhaps because the latest great prince feels an undeniable connection to the ancestor who the Warjack's namesake. Some of Vladimir's vassals find it peculiar that the well-disciplined and noble lord enjoys the company of the savage and seemingly untamable machine, but to Vladimir Tbeski, Drago represents his bloodline's warrior spirit. Even when it has been severely damaged, Drago demonstrates tenacity, resilience, and a refusal to give up the fight. It will crawl towards the opponent even if its legs lie shattered beneath it. When let loose upon the enemy, the machine seems fueled by bloodlust, almost reveling in each death like a demon of folklore. The Dark Prince understands that victory sometimes requires unbridled violence but restraint required to keep Drago's brutality in check in times of peace also serves to remind him that the dark emotions that color his own temperament. Given its tendency to hurl itself into harm's way, Drago requires frequent repair, but the mechanics who maintain the machine see no need to keep it neat or tidy. Its armor plates and spikes bear the evidence of countless engagements. Each nick and dent is a battle honor. Drago itself salvaged its current armaments in Lael, taking its executioner axes from a wrecked destroyer that littered the battlefield outside of Morrowind. With the axe in each iron fist, Drago faces the enemies with rampant ferocity. And this thing is terrifying to fight. He is a wrecking ball. He will race himself into any kind of combat. He has to hit people. He has this weird interest in killing, well, most things, although with the new Mark IV changes to this particular one, it used to have unstable, but Vladimir's Bond would remove the unstable role, 
So, you know, I'm curious what they're going to replace it with. Uh, he's still Berserker Jack, which means he still is going to try and attack everything near him, whether it's friend or foe. Uh, he has an imprint of Grave Winds, which gives him a plus two defense, because, you know, you know, plus two defense makes a big deal for a Warjack. Uh, this guy's Mat 7 allows him to pretty much turn to most things that he's going to be hitting at. And because he's carrying Executioner Axes from Destroyers, it's given him the critical amputation. So if he gets a critical, whatever he hits, he just removes the rest of whatever he's hit and just clears it, cleaves it straight off. Yeah, he's, he's pretty disturbing. And with the Poltergeist ability, if somebody misses an attack, they start going away because I guess he gives them some kind of look, which... If a Warjack can give you a look that makes you want to back up from it, that's kind of terrifying. But he has had 200 years to kind of, you know, get that thing right. Very disturbing. Fun to be on his side, but not fun to be near him while he's doing his work. Alright, moving on. Alright, trying to move on to the favorite Jack of the Butcher, which, uh, for everybody that remembers the Butcher, him having a favorite Jack is even more disturbing. Of course, we were talking about Ruin. Initial service date, 558 AR. Uh, current date, 608 AR. Height, 11 feet, 9 inches. Weight, 12 tons. Fuel load, 990 pounds. General use, 6 hours. Combat use, 70 minutes. Um, this guy's weapons are very modified. That we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, he has an armored fist. Carries a little shield type thing. And then he has a black iron mace, which is kind of peculiar that it carries that. But let's see what the story says about him. Ruin is a blend of engineering and black magic, an unsettling fusion that has resulted in the malevolent, self-aware machine. The Grey Lord Covenant considered the Warjack's creation a great accomplishment, but others wonder if it is a triumph of madness over reason. For years, the Grey Lords scored the ruins below Kardov for answers to the dark riddles of the Orgoth. Grey Lord Abovnik Aniv Ronalavik eventually unearthed a vast burial chamber housing the remains of a terrible Orgoth warlord, Torizard, whom legends describe as a hulking giant and a walking terror. The enormous relics buried with him thrummed with underlying willfulness mixed with the hunger to commune with the living and harvest souls. Among these items were rune-inlaid shield and a massive mace too large for a normal human to wield. Eager to see these relics put to use, Ornolovic, contacted High Abovnik of Veseliv the Mikrolosk, whose interest in Orgoth artifacts rivaled his own, and the two initiated a closely guarded occult experiment to weld these items to a warjack such that their powers could be harnessed. Renalovic labored to derive a sequence of Orgoth runes that might serve as a new type of rune-plated intended to bridge the gap between the warjack cortex and the Orgoth weaponry circumventing the need for the artifacts to be wielded by mortal hands. Once the link was established, though, the artifacts began to utter incomprehensible syllabus directly into the Warjack's cortex. The strength of these voices became apparent during the field test near Kardov. Under the control of the experienced Jack Marshall, Ruin initially obeyed all spoken commands but soon became willful, then outright defiant. Eventually, the machine turned on its Jack Marshall, smashing his body to gore and feasting on his soul. The Grey Lord and attendants rushed to subdue Ruin with their frost magic only to have their power turned against them. The Orgoth runes on the wild warjack gleamed with malicious energy. 
and remaining Arcanist withdrew to wait for Ruin to run out of fuel. Five Grey Lords and the Jack Marshal lost their lives to the rampaging machine, yet Ronald Lavac considered the test a success. The whispers from the artifact proved to be interfering with external commands. Ruin's cortex was struggling to determine which voices to obey. Maintaining control of such a jack would require its direct supervision by a warcaster, preferably one with the mind inured to such voices. Only Rodnalovic's recommendation, the High Avavnik, ordered the machine's transfer to Orsus Zokdavir, the Butcher of Kardav, a man with an inexplicable but proven affinity to, for Doom Reavers. The senior Greylords hoped to discover whether Orsus was capable of working with the voices of the artifact rather than against them. The ethics of such experiment does not trouble these Greylord leaders, who remain determined to exploit powerful weapons for the motherland, whatever the cost. Well, that actually explains why he works with the Butcher, because the Butcher's madness and the Doom Reaver's madness works together, so they imagine they assume, you know, somebody who's already kind of mentally unstable would work well with a Jack who's hearing literal whispers from dark, blood-obsessed, sacrificial gods. Yeah, this thing is disturbing to look at. He is definitely Orgoth out. And let's read a little bit about his Mark III since we don't have any Mark IV stuff. Uh, this guy's a Mat 8, which makes him pretty dang close to the Butcher's Mat 9. Uh, his Armored Fist is a 16, his Black Mace is an 18. While bonded to the Butcher, he has a Boundless Charge, which gives him additional plus two movement and Pathfinder while he's charging in. Perfect. And he likes to do that all the time. Ooh. Uh, he also has Spell Word, which is actually pretty normal for most Orgoth stuff, so he can't be targeted by enemy spells. And unfortunately, he has Spirit Harvester, which means he sucks people's souls out of their bodies after he kills them and uses them to fuel himself. Pretty disturbing Warjack. Also, his Black Iron Mace, like many of the other Orgoth's weapons, actually has the power to dispel any kind of spells or animize on soldiers, thus rendering them a lot more, uh, well, in danger, I guess. Adding one more very dangerous weapon to the Butcher's arsenal. So, and, uh, yeah, seeing, this, seeing the Butcher run around with full Doom Reaver army and the Ruin next to him is just a bloodbath waiting to happen. And not even sure who's actually going to die, because you could lose both allied and enemy models just alike, because both, both guys really just don't care. Blood for the blood god, I guess. Let's move on. Let's move on to the favored Jack of Strakov, the infiltrator, the trenchman killer, the master of espionage. Of course, we are talking about his personal warjack, Torch, one of the heaviest armed warjacks in Kodor, and you'll see why in just a moment. Initial service date, 600 AR, height 11 feet 7 inches, weight 9.9 .9 tons, fuel load 805 pounds, general use 4 hours, combat use 50 minutes, and I can assume that the reason this guy has such a low combat use is because by the time that Strokov brings this thing out, what's about to happen is already uh, pre-planned by a lot. Because, you know, he doesn't pull out the blades until he knows that the action is about to happen. Of course, we are talking about the Warjack Torch. If there is a nightmare common to soldiers across Western Warren, it is sure to involve the horror of trench warfare. 
Soldiers unlucky enough to find Torch descending upon their position can witness the nightmare come to life in a form of ten tons of flame-spitting death. Torch was created specifically to fight through blasted trench works and foxholes. It seeks out the targets with fearsome eagerness, moving through enemy positions like a great mechanical predator. Access steam vents from the terrifying hiss as the warjack plows into the midst of its enemies, burning and cutting them down with brutal efficiency. Torch is a product of Commander Oleg Strakov's exacting design, a warjack capable of accompanying him in the most difficult missions behind enemy lines. The lumbering machine is perfectly equipped to deal with all that challenges the trench warfare. It tears apart obstacles and wreckage with its ripsaw, and its powerful legs and internal stabilization system allows it to hurl itself across impassable terrain in order to reach its targets. As it comes ever closer, its integral grenade launches propel grenade flares into the air illuminating the battlefield and all who would lurk in its shadows, revealing them and allowing them to be swiftly dispatched. Strukov's doctrine of war is fully expressed in Torch, his ideal weapon of pitiless destruction. Torch fought at Strakov's side in the attack on Point Born in 608 AR and was nearly lost there. Strakov and Torch were among the first to be ambushed by Crixian attackers, even as the Kadorans were concluded their successful invasion of the Signaran city. Torch valiantly intercepted the Crixian helljacks sent by Wraith Witch Denegra that otherwise would have set upon its master, but it was torn apart in the process. Other high-priority missions occupied Strakov for some time, including his daring mission to rescue Commander Karchev from the Thornwood Necrofactorium. Thus, it was until nearly a year later, amid escalating fighting between Kodor and Signar, that Strakov had the opportunity to go recover Torch's cortex, calling upon a hand-picked team of veteran commandos. They infiltrated the warehouse, holding recovered military spoils at Point Bourne, and retrieved what remained of the Warjack. Returned to captured factory of Marowin, Torch was soon rebuilt under Strakov's watchful eye. The Warcaster insists the machine is even more clever and ferocious than it was before, having learned a degree of self-preservation from the setback. Yeah, this thing is a... This thing is a Swiss army knife of abilities, having two grenade launchers that have all of the abilities of grenade launchers that the Spriggan has. So they have Targeting Flare, which does remove stealth, and they have two of those. And they also are Power 10 in AoE 3 and Mark 3, of course. And then, of course, he has his Flamethrower, which anybody that has a Flamethrower is kind of just awful in general, because catching people on fire with that is, well, disturbing. And he has a Spiked Fist, so that does some crazy damage, and he has a Ripsaw. And Mark 4, this thing is going to be crazy deadly, because they all have dual attack now in Mark IV, which is you know, super scary. Also, a little piece of fun fact. Uh, when he went to go get Karchev, who was being interrogated by the Krixians who were trying to infiltrate, you know, Karchev's mind, uh, they couldn't even get in. Because uh, Karchev, the Terrible, is so full of hate and malice towards anybody who's the enemy of Kodor that he keeps undead out, which is kind of remarkable. Congratulations, Karchev. You are a terrifyingly mad person. But Strakov knows what he's doing, and he is used for all sorts of special missions, so that's what he do. It's nice to have the torch back in Kadoran hands, because I couldn't imagine what the Signarns would do with that, <laughs> that type of technology. 
because that's a lot of weapon systems that thing's running. Also, in Mark III, one of the Bond special abilities that Torch has is Sprint, so after it killed somebody, it could move again. And at speed four doesn't seem like much, but that's everything for a Kotor Warjack. Alrighty class, well that does it for all the character Warjacks of Kodor. I, again, appreciate you guys listening and commenting, liking, subscribing to this YouTube channel slash podcast that we do every week or multiple times a week if there's time. And as always, thank you Privateer Press for letting us read your phenomenal lore. And as always, your homework is please let your friends and fellow gamers know about this. Up so that we can keep increasing the class in size and it can keep this particular channel going because, well, I do this for well, you guys, so without you guys, there's no point. I would just read it by myself and talk to my fellow gaming shop about it, but, you know, it's more fun to hear how the community uh, sees this and likes to hear about all this lore because there is a lot of it and a lot of it coming in the future. And as always, class dismissed.